0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we feel
1: paralyzed by fear and body hatred. to take charge of whom you really are, and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond.
2: Welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I'm so glad to be here today with a guest that is for sure, one of my mentors, one of my guides, one of my leaders. Um, I'm going to introduce Penny Pierce in a moment, but I want you to know that it is a very special honor for all of you listening throughout the country to have some time with her today. She is the woman that helps us all understand the power of our spirit the impact of intuition and frequency and energy. And these are all languages that make more sense than they ever have. But Penny's been aware and awake to this language and has written 10 books about this particular part of our souls, ourselves, and our incarnation. So, without further ado, let me tell you a little bit more about Penny Pierce. She is an articulate and accurate clairvoyant empath, visionary, author, and a popular lecturer. She is a trainer specializing in intuition development, inner energy dynamics, expanded perception, and transformation. Since 1977, Penny has worked throughout the United States, Japan, South Africa, and Europe. She coaches business and government leaders, psychologists, scientists, celebrities, and those on a spiritual path about the hidden dynamics of what makes for true success. Penny is the author of 10 books, including Leap of Perception, frequency, and the intuitive way. She lives in Florida. Welcome, Penny, to the show. Well,
3: thank you so much for that great introduction. I appreciate it.
2: Well, you've been on a journey in your life, and I feel very blessed and honored to have your input today because the language that you created all these books around is something I always knew was within myself, but I had never seen language given to that source and force within each of us so tell us a little bit about your spiritual background and how you became attuned and clearly put to this planet or on this planet to do this work
3: (laughs) yeah well i did not have any unusual things happen to me as a child i just grew up running around in the midwest and you know on a farm for a while in the city for a while all kinds of different experiences Um, But somewhere in my 20s, I really became aware of the mysteries and a real strong hunger to find out how all these things could possibly happen. So I started reading lots of books, and I didn't think I could do any of it, but uh, as I just kept up. You know, I think this is the secret. You just keep on with what you're interested in, and eventually it really starts to happen for you. Um, And once I found out about... You know all the metaphysical truths and how people's consciousness works internally, and then how that creates the physical life externally. that became so fascinating to me, you know, that I just and um, I, you know, I just kept pursuing it and pursuing it. and and you know, I started teaching and I started doing, I, I was taught to do a particular kind of life reading uh, clairvoyant, and it became over the years, more than just visual, it became tactile. And then after even all the senses got involved, it became a kind of direct knowing where I would merge empathically into a person's, well, energy field, I guess you would say. And then their pattern would be in me and I'd know it as though it were my own. And then at the end, I'd separate back out and reconnect with my own and leave theirs back in the field somewhere. And then I wouldn't remember it till the next time I did a reading for them. So it's just been a process of evolution, really.
2: That is so interesting the way you just described that because as a confidence coach, I would say that is exactly how I work with people. It is coming from such a deeper place within me. Many times I know things that I don't even question why I know them, but it is an energy that is so clear. And the more I have learned to trust that, and with the help of your books to understand that, I am so deeply grateful for it. But it is also, and I, and I really need your your guidance with this, it's a burden in some respects unless you are able to take space from it. So what happens, I'm 55, and in my life, I have to make a lot of space for rest and also for letting that energy of other not dominate my consciousness after the fact. Um, What is one way that you've learned to do that, handling so many people's psyches and energy force fields?
3: I think there are a few insights about that. Um, I've learned over, over time to realize that I'm not just me, the personality, and the body, but that I am actually a field of consciousness that I'm much bigger than what I show up as. And all the people in the world are inside the ball of of energy that I am. Everything's inside. Everything's part of me, an aspect. So I can put my attention on other people and know about it, but I'm always in the center of myself. I never actually go... It's not a linear process, in other words. I don't go from my center over to your center and then forget my own while I'm looking at yours. I expand myself out beyond you, let's say, and include you in the field, and then I'm still in myself watching or feeling. But I never leave home. Do you know what I mean? It's I'm always centered. Yes, yes. You know? and, um, and I think it's fine to go over and, and merge with, anything a tree a person a dog you know and feel Mm. what it's like to live in their body see out through their eyes or through their cells and understand the world through that point of view which is just another point of view that that is me it's another of my many 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 points of view and I can appreciate it and and be grateful for it and know that I don't have to do them all at once you yeah. know, that there are other things out there seeing those other points of view and making the world full and diverse and functional. You know, so part of it is, I think, when you're perceiving in a linear way, which is what my book, Leap of Perception, is about, where we're shifting from linear, you know, that's like past, present, future, beginning, middle, end, cause and effect thinking, you know, into this spherical way of seeing ourselves where everything's included in a big ball of energy around us. And there's no outside world. So there's no past, there's no future. There is only higher frequencies of potential realities that exist in the way I see it. Sometimes it's up above my head. It's not out in front of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't go to it and try to get goals and set intentions to get to it. I place attention not intention, on mm-hmm. the higher frequency reality that is sort of, you could call it your dream even, if you want, but it is a, a reality that's sitting right there and as soon as you match its frequency, it drops in and, and emerges. You don't attract it, actually. You know I've, I, I don't use the law of attraction term very much. I use law of emergence because things come out of the field. They just show up out of the field as soon yeah. as you place attention on them. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so there's something there about helping you stay centered by having this spherical perception, if that makes sense. I don't know if it, that, does. am I getting that across very well?
2: It makes perfect sense. And in fact, that just gave me an, a deep sense of um, calm and relief because it makes exact sense to me what you mean by that. What I'd like to know is, do you have practices that you are committed to daily that are in honor of this larger self that is other, same, and one? Like, do do you have a daily practice that tunes that or heightens that or just honors that?
3: Oh, let's see. Not really a disciplined practice anymore. I probably could, and it would probably help me a lot. But right now, what I do is um, try to stay as conscious as I can and mindful all day long about, oh, what am I noticing now, and why is this happening now, or is there a message in this for me, something that I want to get through to myself. More and more, trying to practice the fact that I actually am the soul I don't have a soul, it's not out there somewhere, it's right, I'm it and I'm here in my body, in my personality, actually in the whole physical plane along with all the other souls we're all here and when uh-huh. I start to practice that I am really my soul and I'm running the show you know, then I start to trust the things I see the, the insights I get the intuitions I have and um, it allows energy to flow. Trust yeah. is really a huge thing mm. um, that we don't trust ourselves. You know, that to me is just unbelievable that that could actually even happen, <laughs> you know.
2: What is your reasoning behind that? Do you think we don't trust ourselves? I know in the book Frequency that I love, it's one of my l- 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 Bibles, you speak a lot about the identity of experience and then detaching from the identity of experience so that it is not the energy field that you are using in your life when it happened to you as a younger soul so when you think about how one is to be present in the world but also to be cognizant of what it is they're carrying in that kind of energetic way what would you say about that how would you discuss that the more i've
3: paid attention, the more I sense that what makes me up is, yes, experiences from childhood in the past and past lives, but also tendencies genetically from ancestors. And then if you meditate, you find that you're actually able to draw upon the lives of everyone, Anything that's been done that's there in the Akashic records of the planet, you have access to because it's like your big brain. So there's no limitation, really, for what you can be and do. And you're not limited to your past. In fact, you don't even need to carry it. You know, um, it can be there and you can use it as a story if it's useful, you know, but you don't have to identify with it. So there, I think a lot of it is about how are we identifying ourselves and communicating that identity to other people, you know, and uh, I think as we get more uh, awake, maybe, there's not much need for identity. People will see you the way they need to see you, you know, they'll project something onto you and see you whatever they, way they need to, and if they're clear they'll recognize, you know, the the whole clarity of the spiritual realm in you.
2: Yeah, and that, that was what I took from one of these wonderful explanations you gave in the book, Frequency. I think you called it projecting anxiety, that you want to be aware of what it is you are holding that then could be an energetic projection that is not serving you in current time.
3: hmm Yeah, well... And a projection doesn't have to be onto somebody else, really. It can be into the field around you, simply by going over and over and over again about some kind of issue. Oh, that was unfair, and they shouldn't have done that to me. And you know, you could go around and around on some complaint like that. And then that would fill your, your aura or your field of energy, your personal field, let's call it, You know, that's just around you and then that acts like a set of instructions to the big unified field out beyond that like saying this is how what can come through to become this person's reality you
2: i know? totally i totally agree and believe that and i think that when we speak of choosing our thoughts for example um and then the thoughts creating the reality i, I what what you're saying feels bigger to me than that it's a If you are thinking something or looping it in psychological terms, it's called looping where you are Mm -hmm. going over the worst things that have happened to you or the most um, unfair, mean things that have happened to you. And might that include other people? Then you're actually creating a force field around you that is that vibration. Right. Right. And and you can change it in an
3: instant. Talk about that. Yeah, you don't t- have to let it wear off, you know, <laughs> um, if you catch it and understand and actually feel into the vibration or that call it a feeling state, you know, um, of that what happens to your body when you're in complaining, let's say, it's a kind of a um, almost like a funny metallic contracted screechy feeling or something you know if you try to describe it and it's but it is a contraction of energy that doesn't allow that kind of joyful really free-flowing fluid kind of energy of the self to come through with its great ideas you know with its really open loose kinds of creativity and when you feel the contraction and the screechiness of that state And then you can say, do I like this? (laughs) You know, I don't really like the way this feels. Okay, so what do I like? Ah, take a breath, get back to center, and then maybe try on a couple of other states, you know, like playing with a puppy, um, you know, looking into a happy baby's eyes, or um, getting a high from running or or horseback riding, or whatever you like, you know. Um, And then feel how that feels. And then contrast it again with one of the tight, screechy, contracted states, and then go, no, I don't like that. I do prefer this one. And so pretty soon you can actually identify almost like the signals of those contracted states and reject them. You know, say, not not because they're bad. It's just it's one of the billions of states we can have. But do I like it? Not really. You know, be bored with it. And then pick one you like.
2: So when you refer to the hidden dynamics of what makes for true success, I'm thinking about that as you're speaking in this moment because actually then when you're telling me or anyone out there listening how to work with something that is a loop that is not giving you the frequency you think you want, would you say that the hidden dynamic of what makes for true success is to A, be accountable for that and then B, to rewire that?
3: Yes, that's that's a good way of saying it. Um, although I would like reframe it in like to be accountable for something that sounds left brain to me, and I want to take away a lot of the old um, sort of hierarchical authoritarian kind of language that we use on ourselves, and make it more about um, our childlike joy of wanting to do things that we really like to do and being bored with the things we don't really like to do. So it makes it easy. You know, we take the pressure off of having to be this vigilant you know, parent to ourselves. Um, so I think it's like notice what you notice, and notice what doesn't work and how it feels, and tie all that up together and say, when I think this way, I get this feeling in my chest or in my lower back or in my throat, and I can't even think straight. I don't get very good ideas, I just am stuck on a tape loop, I don't like this, and it's, it's really a waste of my energy, and life, actually. Yeah. So then identify the other states that allow energy to flow, that have curiosity, that, that, you know, you can start in with something innocuous and fairly mundane, you know, like what would sound good for dinner. You know, or what time do I really exactly feel like leaving the house in order to be on time for my appointment? Hmm. Just little things, you know, so that you call it to your own attention and then you watch it. And then when it works, you go, hey, that worked. Yeah. And you validate it. And then an- another one comes and you play with that all day. That's kind of your amusement.
2: Mm, I love that. Well, you mentioned feeling. And I think when we speak of feeling, it really brings us back to the notion of embodied because the embodied self feels so much that is often overridden by something that is mental or intellectual or, as you put it, left brain. And so then the feeling in the body is a messenger that is super clear. Yes. And so how do you help people become more awake to the feeling that is the guide or the intuition would you say that that is intuition or would you say describe what that is that force field of knowing i would say it's
3: it's a kind of intuition sometimes i call it direct knowing Um, or when you know from the body you're knowing energy information which is now that we're very aware of vibration you know um, we become aware of information that's vibrational, energetic, before it's verbal, and that comes into the body through um, empathy, for instance, and through a sense of expansion of your energy level, like bubbling and happy and warm and leaning into things. That's your truth signal, or cold, damp, contracted, wet blanket on top of you, you know, those kind of things where you kind of repel away a bit and everything gets tight and then you get that knot in the pit of your stomach. Okay, so that's an anxiety signal or a danger signal. Um, yeah. And so you learn to gauge and pay attention to your body and check in a lot. Like I said, notice what you notice and then ask yourself, what, what's going on here? Oh, here's a great opportunity. My mind thinks I should take this this new job or this new opportunity, but something in me is like going, eh, you know, <laughs> like pulling back and or it's got a little heebie jeebies or something, and then you're saying, Well, I should do it. And then it goes it gets worse. You know, yeah. and then you, you put into your body, say, Well, what is it? And say, Well, I think it's not time yet, or there's a piece of missing information, or if I project this ahead three months six months it's not going to work for me or these people aren't really on my wavelength and i i'm getting myself into a situation i'm just going to have to leave anyway you know there are a lot of actually good reasonable explanations for why you don't want to do something
2: hmm. you know so- and
3: it's not that you're a coward
2: So that gets me back to trust when you said the word trust, because that trust is knowing that that information is valid and needs to have your attention.
3: Right. That's a decision you have to make, I think, at some point, that you're just going to trust yourself and Hmm. go with the information and see if it worked or if you overrode some kind of tiny snag, you know, and then... You know, it didn't work because of that. And you say, oh, okay, next time I need to pay attention a little bit deeper, you know, to what's going on. Um, You know, so yeah, but you you choose to trust and then you practice it and you build trust.
2: I am so blown away by the fact that when you wrote Frequency, and that was 2009, is that correct? It came out in, yeah, mm -hmm. So, it's it's wild to me to think that when you wrote that book, it was as if you were saying what we all are now experiencing and living. And on your website, you speak of it as leaving the information age. And we are now, you know, moving more into that intuition and sensitivity development and the intuition age. Mm-hmm isn't it wild to you or not to think about what you knew before everyone else knew? I mean, you you were saying something that I think is now a common language in the culture and the world.
3: I know. I noticed that just last week, I think, that I suddenly started hearing the, my phrases from my book and everybody else's you know, promotional copy. And, and, and I was like, Wait a minute. I, I think I wrote the first book on frequency, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's I have done that. Uh, you know, the intuitive way was one of the first real books on intuition development, and I still don't think people are quite getting leap of perception yet. But all about how how our really core perception of life is changing. Um, so we'll see. But um, it's just that I think that the material comes to me. When it's ready, when, when the frequency on the planet is ready, then I can understand the next level of, of the mechanics of things. You know, I'm very much about let's, let's get down into the core of this stuff and find out how it really works and then figure out how to translate these big concepts down into everyday doable things that, that we can actually integrate and make normal. You know, so a lot of, like you said in the beginning, I do a lot of that kind of translation, I guess you would call it, of of describing. Um, and I mean that as a a very uh, kind of pregnant word. That when you are in direct communion with something and you speak from that state while you're in it, you're describing. Mm-hmm. You know, accurately from that state and finding words that are the exact right words that will... Relay the vibration of that thing, you know, and its reality as much as you possibly can, and that's always been, you know, I was a poet for a long time, I still am, and and to find that right rhythm and the right words and all of that has been sort of an art form
2: for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a beautiful art form. Uh, please tell us what you're feeling and thinking about the core of perception. I'd love to have that um, information what What is it that you are thinking about with respect to that? Uh, you mean in how perception works or what exactly? well you when you just said that you are the language, the core of perception is is somewhat future or what people are not quite ready to mm-hmm. understand as well, the, with the frequency, mat- yeah, the
3: material in leap of perception, which is the book after frequency. Um, the subtitle on that is The Transforming Power of Your Attention. And that attention is going to be this leading force in the intuition age. And in that book, I describe a whole lot of attention skills that we're going to learn um, and not let, you know, iPhones and g- gadgets do it all for us. That We have a lot of capacity within ourselves to realize. And uh, I think that we have to so, but there is this basic change I mentioned before from linear perception, which I call old perception now, into the new perception, which is spherical and holographic, and it's a um, a function I think of the fact that the world is accelerating so much. Actually, the physical planet itself is rising in vibration. Our bodies are moving faster. Everything's vibrating faster. And what that does is puts us more in touch with the frequency of the non-physical realms. So we're coming closer and closer to the vibration of the non-physical. And so now we're starting to see that the non-physical realities are actually in the physical. You know, it's not separate. It's like we don't have a soul. We are the soul. when We're right here. And inside matter is light. You know, it's always been there, but we have been too low of a frequency to be able to see it. So now we're being able to penetrate into matter and see how it works. You know, it's not solid. You know, so so this is all part of it. But changing our perception to be so fast has another ramification, which is that we really pretty much fall into the present moment as the only thing there is. There is no more past. There is no more future. Everything's in the present moment, swallowed up, along with all the other dimensions. You know, we have a physical, a non-physical, made of you know, emotion and mind and the Akashic Records and you know, all of that. And, um, and it's all in our ball, <laughs> our sphere, <laughs> and accessible, therefore, because it's inside of us. It's not somewhere over there, far away, where we have to cross a gap to get to it. It's right here, right now. Put your attention on it, and it comes into reality. That's why attention is the revealing force for the the intuition age. You know, and if you take your attention out of something, like by being bored with it, that form will actually dissolve. Mm put your attention into something and it will drop into the lower frequency and materialize as a reality. You know, yeah. and this means that things can happen very, very fast now, including things like healing, You know, um, materialization of things, but also the healing, which is sort of the correction of a perceptual mistake that we might have had about how life was working or who we thought we were or who we thought we weren't. Um, and holding of wounds that we really didn't need to hold you know so we're going to start working with that inner reality that inner blueprint to shift that with our attention and then the outer form will almost immediately change you know so that's what's coming and that's what's actually here pretty much already
2: i think what confuses me about that is when we speak about the phone the iPhone. I always have felt that there is a distraction and a force of space between a higher perception that is distracted by that technological form. That that is a separation from a higher frequency, not a deeper connection to it.
3: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think that's largely correct, what you're saying, but also some of these things are coming out of a, a higher inner blueprint that says, hey, we're already connected with everybody. The Internet is just showing us in, in this slow, physical way how mm. we actually are interconnected with everybody on Earth or, you know, how we can access information through Surrey or whoever, you know, online, through Google um, instantly because it's all really right here within us, anyway. Um, you know, so it's revealing to us some principles, but then we're addicted to the gadget, thinking that it's doing it for us. You know, and mm. it's that um, addiction or dependency. I think that we have to maybe be bored with, because we may be starting to have an awful lot more, let's call it phenomenon, phenomena. You know, that are happening to people, like maybe people start levitating or maybe, you know, um, yeah. there'll be things that start happening that people go, wow, I don't need a machine for this. I just thought of, you know, my friend over in Europe and, you know, they called me. Mm. You know, I don't need to, to know that, you know, that I had a voicemail.
2: Oh, yeah. See, that you know, that is exciting to me. That part of it is exciting. But yeah. what, what I get distressed by is seeing like someone walking their dog and they've got their phone in front of their face and you can tell that they don't even realize they're walking a dog uh, or driving or sitting at a dinner table and having that little reminder that is a technological voice speaking instead of the actual conversation or the act of walking the dog.
3: I can't tell you how many times I've gone out to a, you know, a breakfast place or a coffee shop and in the morning and seeing a father with his little son, you know, supposedly going out for that little time, dad and me time, and then the father sitting there on his cell phone and the kid's just, you know, swinging his legs on the chair, wondering when is he going to get done? Yeah. You know, and just like this this lack of of human, humanity, uh, you know, this addiction to the screens is it's just so rampant um what do they have even have nature deficit disorder now i mean it's a thing (laughs) yes (laughs) i'm just like oh what next what next um yeah i mean i i don't know where it's going to go unless i don't know unless we each we all start spontaneously developing abilities that are beyond the the technologies um like I read that they've even started doing experiments to try to tie monkeys' brains together to get a group mind. Wow! You know, where all you have to do is meditate. You know, you just yeah. have to like feel that, and you're you're in it. But you know, they've got to do it physically.
2: So well, I've also heard recently that there are these movements, and I do like this. This is really for younger people in their 20s or high school where there are events. And just like in the 60s and 70s when you would throw your key into a bowl because people would be drinking and it would be, you know, you had to give up your key so no one would drive after the party. Mm. Now they're doing that with the phones. So you go to the party and everyone has to throw their phone in a bag um, and then be at the party. And I thought that was so Mm -hmm. clever. I like that idea um, because I think the addiction that we're talking about is so much greater with the younger brains that never have known life without the computer or the phone. And it is now being said as like an extension of their selves even beyond DNA because the phone knows them better than they might know themselves, which is also wild. (laughs) I mean, I want to stay open to understanding all of this and not um, just so, bummed out about it, but I do believe we have to give up that machine. And maybe I wish there was a rule about walking your dog or taking your child to the park that was a a phone-free zone so that that little dog or that big dog or that child could feel that human connection with that person that is often missing in much of our culture and society.
3: Well, I'd be happy if they would have, like, Phone free zones or quiet zones in airports, for instance, where you could get away from all the people talking loudly to their next business appointment, you know, Uh, next to you. Yes. Uh, You know, and it's kind of narcissism, actually. I think, and and I think narcissism is coming up quite a bit right now, partly because people are realizing they actually have a self, you know, and they want to feel good about themselves, so they're doing it in all these various ways by. You know, getting bling and, you know, uh, trying to show up on the reality TV shows for not even for being good, but for being bad, you know, anything. And um, I think that has to maybe that's a first step toward really understanding what the soul is, you know, and how the soul functions. But um, it's it's pretty rampant.
2: Can you say a little bit more about that when you say how the soul functions, meaning connect that to what you were saying about the narcissism that is so prominent right now in every way? Well, when
3: narcissism comes out of a, an experience of not feeling the self, not being able to feel the self, you know, and So that what they try to do then is get the outside world, and they feel that there is a big outside world that's much more powerful than they are, that they feel they have to control. So they basically try to get the outside world to agree with them. So at that point then, you know, they're charming, they're seductive, they're smart, they're sexy, they're everything, and they get other people to agree with them. And if anyone doesn't agree with them, they go ballistic. Try to... You know, force them back into agreement again, and if people don't agree, then they reject them just out outright. You know, there's no real sense of love. The idea of love means agreement. You know, um, and so a lot of that is happening today as people start to realize that I'm good. Hey, I'm valuable, because there a lot of people are abused and hurt. You know, and they're trying to get themselves back. You know, And I think they're doing it in this particular way, which is a very dysfunctional way, but perhaps it is a first step. Um, I think the danger with narcissism is that if they d- don't get their way and they do reject people, then they, they really have to face their aloneness. And often they will not do that. It's too scary. And they will commit suicide.
2: Mm. Um, yeah.
3: It's a hard pattern to get out of. Uh, Unless you can open the heart. So if the heart can open, if you can move from the left brain, which has gotten so tight and defined and defensive in that narcissistic view, if you can stop a minute and shift into the right brain where there is no language, there's no self-talk, it's quiet, it's like a dog's reality. You know, it's happy, it's just there, it's immersed in the moment. Um, And access then to all the knowledge all the wisdom all the options all the imagination it's all right there and you can be saturated with that and you get rejuvenated when you do that you know but if you're stuck in the left brain like narcissists are you know you don't rejuvenate
2: mm. so in your book frequency that would be something that would be under that unhealthy feeling Habit where you think yes. you you're you're feeling as if you are being loved or approved of or 50 likes or 20 million likes, <laughs> uh, but there is nothing that is really going on in the right brain and therefore it's egoic. Um, so to take an egoic soul into a heart soul or left to right brain, what? How do you guide that? How do you? give someone a desire for even going there if they are so stuck in that narcissistic space.
3: Yeah. um, I think that it starts with being able to get them to stop projecting their attention out onto their screens or out onto the world to try to make this correlation between what's on the outside to fit the way they want to feel on the inside and to pause that. Now, A lot of times they're not going to do it because they're too addicted to the old way. So what what has to happen is some kind of a crisis or, you know, the hitting bottom kind of thing where you're forced to stop, like an accident, an illness, um, a death of a loved one, something like that that shocks you and makes you think, wait a minute, what's going on underneath here? Am I a bad person? Did I do something wrong? And then when you start those self-reflective questions... That's the time where people with some wisdom can come in and help, you know, and it's okay to ask for help at that point as well, which usually they're not going to do because they think they have to know it all. That's what the left brain is like. I have to have all the answers. I have to do it all myself, you know, and um, so I, unfortunately, I think it takes uh, some kind of crisis for that to happen.
2: Yeah. You, you speak a lot about adrenaline, and when you're talking about that left brain and that egoic s- space, it feels like the adrenaline is part of what gets someone really juiced up and addicted to it, you know, yes. that that feeling of almost being like speeding. Um, and yes. so it's interesting when you think of someone asking for help, which is so welcomed, and usually when anyone asks for help, it's amazing, how much help is there and shows up. But the adrenaline is almost impossible to break away from mm-hmm. if you don't have a crisis. And even a crisis can create adrenaline. That's so, right. You know, That's right. Talk a and, little bit know, about adrenaline. That,
3: that kind of um, stimulation, let's call it, really c- can produce dopamine, which is uh, makes you feel good about yourself somehow or strong. And it, dopamine can come from a negative experience, like a shock, like like we're saying, or from something really pleasurable, um, you know. And if you don't get enough of it, if it sags down after the first big rush, then you need more, you know. So you get these adrenaline addictions. I mean, I've seen it too lately. With I've been watching a lot of different spiritual teachers, and how some of them are. It seems to me very ego driven. Mm. Maybe young souls, I don't know what they are, but they're like going gung-ho forward with all the marketeering and talking real hard and fast. And um, and then I watch the audiences and they're mesmerized and they think that those people are the best thing ever, you know? And, and I'm like, wow. Um, you know, they're not really connecting with the audience. They're actually just full of themselves. Mm. And I'm wondering how are people choosing Whose who's has wisdom and who doesn't? Because it seems like the forceful personalities really are getting a lot of the, and maybe it is people who are wanting to have forceful personalities, I don't know. Um, but I've just been noticing that lately.
2: I am so glad you brought that up because I could not concur more with that Uh, um, awareness it's 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 happening a lot in the yoga world we often speak of that in the physical world that I'm in partially there's a ego in yoga now that is so counterintuitive to the whole concept of yoga and we do maybe this information age that is so available whether on the web or in an auditorium this age of narcissism is Bleeding into what used to be a, I think, a more um, integrated mind body spirit modality, there is now an ego component to that that is disturbing to me. I ha- I have to say I don't like it at all, and I find it very upsetting. It it makes my introvert want to hide because I find it so counterintuitive to what the point would be.
3: Mm-hmm. I I. I think what you said there is very interesting that that age of narcissism is kind of merging in now to things that used to not be so affected by that much ego. Sometimes I, I remember hearing somebody say that the Antichrist was, was the kind of energy or the kind of even a person, let's say, that had like 98.5% truth and then you know 1.5% falseness, that it was very easy to be taken in by it. And then tricked, Mm. you know, um, and so I think that there's an interesting thing up right now for people, which is discrimination. And how do you, when you really start looking, how do you listen well to your own self to see what do I really need? You know, what, you know, is this person really putting their attention on me or are they just talking at me? You know, Mm, and, and can I... You know, is there a what? You know, is there love? Is there compassion? Is there a sweetness? Is there sincerity? What are the the characteristics that indicate truth and wisdom and compassion and all that?
1: Um,
3: I don't know. I mean, I think that a lot of times I don't like the term "young souls," but I think there are some souls that haven't had as much experience in the physical plane as others and haven't gone through as much, so they're just getting learning the ropes. Yeah. And, and I feel like some of those people can get caught up in this idea of what is an individuality? What can I do with my personal self here on the world? I have to do it with myself alone, you know, and make it all happen through the grandiosity of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, as you get Older, and you know, you've been around, you start to realize that about the divine feminine energy, which is that we're so interconnected with everybody, and everybody's it's all about win win win. You know, everybody wants me to win so that I can help everybody else win. So they give me whatever I need, and I give them whatever they need, and it all just kind of goes around and flows around. And if I need something, I ask sometimes I ask in the physical world, sometimes I ask in the non physical world. And synchronicities start to occur or people call me out of the blue and say, would you like to come here and teach a class? You know, or it's like things just happen when and you feel connected. Yes. You know, I
2: love I loved what you said about I think I saw this on your website when you were thinking that work was either tiring or um, that you weren't feeling very motivated and. That as a result of just thinking that and feeling that, things started to kind of not happen. Nobody called. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) and then all of a sudden you realized, I am manifesting what it is I want and I need time to be with self and to go into the metaphoric back of the cave and refuel, which is what I was referring to earlier with that exhaustion. Like I have Mm -hmm. to be tuned at my best levels to be able to give what I give. And a lot of times that requires pushing back from the energy of work so that I can be with self in a different way in order to do the work. And that was somewhat how I interpreted what you were saying about the frequency of thought with work and then what it is you think and need is going to manifest. So... The tired, exhausted self maybe doesn't yeah. need to have a lot of calls at some time or point in That's the process.
3: Right. My sister has to have staring into space time. She says, "Yeah, oh, <laughs> and, I love that." Um, um, but also, I think that um, that the there's a problem we have where we when we reach the end of a creative cycle, that as soon as we've actually created something or materialized things for a while, and we start to go into that state where you you disengage from the previous form, the previous cycle of form, let's say. And that usually entails boredom and then moving into the liminal space for a little while and gestating and noodling around and staring into space and then getting ready. And then things build suddenly. You're in the imaginal realm. You're getting repatterned. All this is happening invisibly. And your left brain goes crazy during that period, you know, but then suddenly you notice something that seems like a great idea and you get curious and now suddenly you're on an upswing and off you go into a new creative cycle. But at the end of a cycle, most of us, I think what happens is that the left brain starts to say, hey, something's wrong here. We're not having the same kind of activity level that we had before. We're not creating and manifesting the same way we did before. This something's wrong here. And you get all, you know, freaked out. Instead of saying, hey, look what I just created. This is amazing. I'm really successful because I set out to do this, and I did. Mm -hmm. And I'm enjoying what I created now. This is wonderful. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. And then rest a minute on your laurels, you know, like appreciate and that'll take you very nicely into that liminal space where you can play in your mind and start to, to um, put your attention on new possible realities. Yes. And do it in the imaginal realm first and then let it drop into the physical.
2: And so would you agree that that's the opposite of adrenaline?
3: Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah, (laughs) so then that dopamine that's coming off that adrenaline has to be resisted so you can drop into that space.
3: Yeah, and I don't know what all the brain chemicals are, serotonin and oxytocin and all those things, but I'm sure it's a different one that allows us to have that inner peace that then allows the magical stuff to just occur. You know, Uh, I don't think magic happens when you're adrenaline addicted.
2: mm Mm-mm. Mm -mm.
3: I mean, you've got manic, so you think everything's fabulous, you know, (laughs) know, and you you can't make good decisions.
2: Yeah, manic is the perfect word for that. I want to just, I I could talk to you for 20 hours, um, (laughs) honestly, without needing to take a break because I find you so divine. But I want to just, as we're closing down here, you spoke in your Uh, and I want to tell everyone about your website before we close as well, but you talked about this is the numerological one year, 2017, the beginning, something Mm -hmm. new, Mm -hmm. 16 was the nine. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say about just how to honor this year that is the one, just a a few ideas for the listeners to Mm -hmm. understand the beginning that is now?
3: Yeah. Well, it's the universal one year. Each person has their own, version of that which may be a different number but the one year for in the world uh one is the idea of emergence and of new ideas coming but they're always up close and personal right in front of your nose you know and that's you can see one thing at a time narrow view sort of the particle-based world you know and then you you're often very impulsive and you jump in and go and then in five minutes another thing pops up and you go "Oh, look at this one jump into that one and go So there's a feeling of needing to move ahead and push ahead because everything lies ahead. And yet there's also this wonderful experience of discovery and experimentation. And so, oh, I could try this. Or what about if I go left? Or what if I do this? Oh, this could be good. You know? And so I think the spirit of a one is this kind of childlike, adventurous joy and curiosity where you let yourself redefine things that you've known before. Like, submit everything to scrutiny. You know, you don't have to always do it the same way. Try it a different way. You know, this is experimentation and all kinds of new things coming in. But you can't see very far ahead. And it's certainly far from complete. Right? You know, it's just the first baby steps. But it does tend to break apart or rebel against the old stuff. You know, and I, I think we're seeing that in a lot of different ways.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I loved what you said about convening with soul friends. Mm-hmm. And I think with the beginning of something and the energetic starting of so many possibilities, there is great um, harmony and nurturing in that convening with soul friends to support all these beginnings. Well,
3: you're so right, because I've already started experiencing people just dropping out of the blue who are totally on the wavelength with me. You know, it's like, and then the first thing that starts to happen is let's exchange our knowledge and catch up with each other like we haven't seen each other for a long, long time, you know, and catch up. And then how can we work together? And then that's what starts happening is that I think there are going to be, as these puzzle pieces fall together, a view of a bigger thing that can be done with small teams of people so that the ego starts to go away, you know, and then each person says, oh, you've got that, you know how to do that. Well, okay, you know how to do that, thank goodness, because I don't, you know, and that's what I'm seeing happening is that people are finding each other in order to start some kind of projects and
2: work. Yeah. I'm so glad I found you, Penny. I. <laughs> I just can't thank you enough for your time today and I want everyone to know that the best way to find you is www.pennypierce.com and I want to spell that because both words or both names are different spellings so it's p-e-n-n-e-y p-e-i-r-c-e.com Thank you so much. I have loved this time with you, and you are a leader that I value and have great gratitude for.
3: Well, I appreciate you having me on, actually, and really, you're a wonderful interviewer. Thank you, Penny. really flowed very easily.
2: Thank you so much, and I always say to my listeners that For them to each remember, and you reinforce this beautifully today, that you complete you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.